0: Good Sunday morning, my name is Joe McKechnie and I'm so blessed to be the pastor here at Chapel Roswell and we are so honored to be in worship with each and every one of you. A couple of things I want to remind you of, first as we kick off the first of three weeks of game day, I'm going to invite you to dress up as your favorite sports team, regardless of whatever sport that might be. Uh, You'll also notice on your pew this morning you had a couple of things, you have a bag Um, that that we're asking to be filled with items that will be sent to Venezuela. Venezuela is suffering from uh, just superflation, as they call it, where the inflation is so out of control in their economy where it just takes so much money just to buy simple things. And so you can see a list of things needed. And then they also... Uh, We're talking about the Great Day of Service, which is next Saturday. That's in conjunction with Roswell United Methodist Church, the church within a church, and then the church that has the church within a church. We'll all come together. You can see various ways to serve. It's for people of all ages and all stages of life, and I pray that you can be a part of that. We are glad that you're with us this morning. I'm a former TV sportscaster, as most of you know, and it's interesting because I have been able to see firsthand the passion that people have for their particular sport of choice. And it's neat because I've seen people have that particular passion for the Lord's work in their life. And I think all of us, if we could live our daily lives with the passion for God, with that same passion that we have for other things, the world would be a lot different. And maybe our lives would be a lot different. Uh, the Bible actually speaks quite frequently about athletic themes. The Roman Empire was known for their love of sports. The Greeks especially, they were known for their love of games. They had, for example, the Olympic Games that started in the year 778 BC and continued every year, every four years, I guess technically, for 1,200 years. That's amazing. Even nations at war would stop fighting. They would cease the war so that they could take part in the Olympic Games. The early Olympic Games featured sprinting and wrestling and jumping and discus throwing, hurling the javelin, chariot races, even boxing. It's likely, in fact, when Paul was writing some of his letters that we have in the New Testament, that he was in Greece during at least one of the olympic games and this morning we're going to look at a passage out of the book of first corinthians paul is writing a letter to the christians who were living in the city of corinth you've heard me talk about the city of corinth quite a bit it was a large wealthy cosmopolitan area about 146 years before jesus christ was born the city of corinth was looted and destroyed and raised just torn to the ground by the Roman Empire. The men of Corinth were brutally slaughtered, and the women and the children were sold into slavery. The entire city of Corinth, it was torched, it lay in virtual ruin for almost a century. Then we go to about the year 46 B.C., and the new Corinth, if you will, rose from the ashes Julius Caesar rebuilt the city and it became a seat of government for a province of Rome." so now we've got this new city it's growing it's thriving there was a lot of a lot of pagan worship going on in corinth people often refer to to las vegas as sin city but, but vegas has nothing on corinth let me tell you people uh, just went there for uh, just to, to to let all of their pleasures come out people would would get, gather in corinth from every corner of the globe, the, the, the busy streets were lined with sailors or with businessmen, the, the wealthy, the poor, soldiers and prostitutes, thrill seekers from every corner of the world. It was a place, Corinth was, where people could come and fulfill their every desire, every imaginable sin went on and, 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 and not only their, 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 their sin, it was encouraged. That was the way Corinth was. So, so why would Paul choose Corinth? Why did he write a letter to the Christians there? Well, number one, going to Corinth was something that Paul had planned for quite a while. You see, he was looking for the opportunity to uh, bring the good news of Jesus Christ to people who desperately needed it, to this mass international, this wide audience, this diverse metropolis. Now, now, part of it was strategic. Corinth was perfectly located with a major east and west maritime trade route as well as a vital trade link to the north and then to the south. So it was a hub of international activity, people coming and going from all directions. A lot of people traveled through the city, so there would be a lot of opportunity for Paul to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, secondly, Corinth had a really large Jewish population, and since he, too, Paul had come from a Jewish background. He had a passion to see the Jewish people exposed to the message of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you out of Romans 1.16. This is uh, Paul writing to the, the Christians in the city of Rome. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So Paul had the passion to to, to reach a Jewish audience. Uh, Thirdly, Paul chose Corinth because the city was home to the world-famous Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games. They were held every two years, and they were the most popular sporting events in the world except for the Olympics, which were every four years. Okay, they, they weren't quite as big as the Olympics, but they were a really, really close second. The Isthmian Games, they originated in Corinth, and these games were the pride and joy of the people of Corinth. They, 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 they featured events like foot races and chariot races, boxing and wrestling, but, but, but they even kind of went a different route with, with poetry and writing competition. The games, the Isthmian Games in Corinth were... In honor of the god Poseidon, the pagan god of the sea, the, the entire event was shrouded in pagan worship. And one of the years in which the Isthmian Games was held was the year A.D. 51. And Paul knew that this would be an awesome opportunity to reach people from all over the world. Remember when the 1996 Olympics came to Atlanta? Did any of you go to any of the, uh, the, the Olympic events? Yeah, we went to, to, to quite a few. It was a, a neat thing to have our, our city just being the hub and the focus of all of this international fanfare. And there was a, a big building boom as we had to find ways to house all of these Olympic athletes and tourists who were going to flock to Atlanta. But you see, in Corinth, it was a little bit different. There, uh, the, the space was tight, building was limited, and so really there weren't any permanent accommodations for people who were traveling for the Isthmian Games. This was pretty cool for Paul. Now, Paul was an excellent teacher, he was a great preacher, he was a good leader, he started a lot of different churches. But does anybody know what his primary occupation was? Paul was a tent maker. So that's pretty cool. Let me take you back to the book of Acts, chapter 18, which talks about Paul's time in Corinth. Acts 18, 1, 2, and 3. After this, Paul left Athens, okay, Greece, not Georgia, and he went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, who was a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius, he was the the emperor, he had ordered all of the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see these two, and because he was a tent maker also, he stayed and he worked with them. So what a great opportunity for Paul. He's going to the city where all of these travelers are flocking, and they're going to need a place to stay. And where do you stay? you got to stay in a tent. And so Paul is in the perfect place, the prime location. Okay, and so Paul is talking about two things here, the prize and the process. The prize and the process. The idea of the, the, the Christian life as a race is one that he talks about in a couple of different places. He uses this as a metaphor for uh, his life. Now, I know that all metaphors break down at some point. The Christian life, for example, is like a race, but, but it's not a competition against other people. But Paul would say that it is a a, a fierce battle with his flesh, with himself. But the idea of athletes racing towards a prize, towards a finish line, it, it goes well with the message that Paul wants to send along. Let's go to verse 24. This is verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all of the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Again, that's a metaphor that breaks down. All believers get a prize. But but Paul is saying, run in such a way as to get that prize. The Greek word for run is stadia, from which we get the word stadium. Stadium. Like athletes, we as believers in Christ, we're called to be self-disciplined, to focus on the goal, to be wholly committed to finishing well. The Christian life is not to be pursued half-heartedly, but rather full-on. In a foot race, one person is the winner. Like I said, we don't compete against other people, but we do practice, or we, we do compete against these various obstacles that pop up in our way, whether they be physical or spiritual things that hinder us, things that try to get in the way of that growth that Christ wants us to live out and experience. In Acts, we read about the ways in which... He spread the gospel. But in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing issues that are going on in the church. He's primarily addressing those who are already believers in Christ. And he's challenging them in their dedication and in their devotion. In some ways, imagine a football coach at halftime giving a, a pep talk to his team. He's addressing issues that need to be brought up. He's, he's a, a addressing, in many cases, things that are unpleasant but need to be talked about. In other ways, he's trying to encourage, he's trying to inspire, he's trying to motivate. Okay, when he's talking about running to win, for example, he's not talking about winning your salvation or earning your way to God. We, we know that our salvation is not something that we earn, it's not something that we deserve, it's not something that we can obtain. It's about turning to Jesus and acknowledging that we need a Savior. But in his letter to the people in Corinth, he's speaking to those who have already been saved. And he's emphasizing the fact that we have to keep moving. Okay, you don't simply stay where you are. He's passionate about the calling that God has placed in his life. And he wants others to live out and experience the same thing. Verse 25, it says, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we, we as believers, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So he's talking about the fact that athletes will have discipline. The word disciple comes from the word discipline. At the Isthmian Games, each athlete had to train diligently and vigorously for 10 months. Okay, the last month then before the race was spent in Corinth, where they, they would be supervised daily with workouts in the gymnasium, on the athletic fields. They had a really strict diet and things by which they had to live. They had to be diligent with all that they were doing to compete in these games. No half hearted effort would be good enough. The athlete had to be committed and dedicated to the goal. At Chapel Roswell, we're focusing on opportunities to to, to grow, opportunities for discipleship, opportunities to serve and to make a difference in the lives of people, not only in our community, but people in our world. In fact, next week, we're going to offer a list of various small groups that are going on, opportunities to, to better get to know other people, to increase your sphere of influence, to dig deeper into God's word, to grow together. How do we make worship a priority in our lives? How do we honor God with our choices and with our decisions? How do those around us experience God by our choices and our decisions? Verse 25 says, they do it to receive a perishable wreath or a crown, but we do it for one that is imperishable. In the Isthmian Games, if you won the race or you won the competition, do you know what you got? you know what the first place winner got? Not a, not a new car, uh, not a dream vacation, not even cash, not even a bar of gold. They would get a wreath that would go around their forehead, a crown, when you think of a crown, what comes to mind? Maybe a-, a crown encrusted with jewels worn by kings or queens. But the crowns that were most sought after were those made of the ordinary things. And they were given to the winners of the Isthmian Games. Okay, They were literally uh, crowns made of celery. Celery, that's what they ran for. They competed so they could get a crown of celery. And Paul's saying, no, you're, you're doing all of this for a crown of celery. But in life, we're competing for something that is much more powerful, something certainly far more eternal. In verse 26, he says, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. There are times in my life when I feel like I am aimless, when I feel like I don't have a clue, When I feel like I don't have my act together. This is what Paul is talking about. I don't fight like a boxer simply beating the air. Simply punching aimlessly. He uses an analogy from really two sports, okay, track and field or or, or running. And then boxing, To talk about how we have a goal, we have a vision. Here we are, but here is where we want to be. How do we bridge the gap that exists between our reality and our potential? In the Isthmian Games, as in the Olympics, boxing was the most brutal of events. The boxers would wrap their knuckles with leather straps. They didn't yet use gloves. and, And they would pound on each other, sometimes for hours, sometimes to the death. The phrase that Paul uses is beating the air, describing someone who is just kind of not out there. They're they're not aiming at their competition. They're just kind of floundering. They, 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 They don't have aim, they don't have direction. How often do we find ourselves just going through the motions We don't have a plan. We don't have a process. We don't have a system. We are simply going through the motions, the daily grind without being deliberate and intentional about our relationship with Christ. And finally, in verse 27, Paul writes, no, I I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. In other words, my body is under my, my command. I make it my slave After I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Many people are slaves to their bodies. In other words, their bodies dictate what they do and when they do it. Our bodies, let's face it, dictate very often when we eat, how much we eat, what we're going to do when we sleep, when we get up, and so on and so on. But an athlete, Paul says, can't do this, okay? You've got to follow rules. You've got to follow not your body, but, but rather the strict discipline. He goes to bed when he would rather stay up. He eats things that may not be the funnest things to eat, but they're the healthiest things. And Paul is saying that as followers of Jesus, our desires shouldn't control us. Rather, to the contrary, we're the ones who control what we do. Here's another metaphor from the Isthmian Games. A a contestant who failed to meet the training requirements was disqualified. He wasn't even allowed to run, let alone win. So, Paul is urging the Christians to stay focused so we don't lose out on all that God has in store for us. How are you allowing God to work in your life? Are you running aimlessly? Are you running toward that prize? Now, at tailgate parties, uh, people often play cornhole. I'm going I'm to ask for a volunteer. Just somebody raise your hand. Come on, somebody has to raise their hand. Okay, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Okay, you've got a Patriots jersey on, but we're still going to allow you to do this. Okay? <laughs> now, I'm going to have you stand up. You know what this is? It is a bean bag, very well done. Okay, now we're going to play cornhole. You know how to play cornhole? You have to throw the bean bag through the hole of the thing. Cornhole originally started, they say, when a farmer's kids were playing a game. They were throwing rocks into a hole in the ground where some sort of animal lived. We don't know what kind. But but he thought that it would be better to use ears of corn because they had more weight. And so the kids would start throwing these ears of corn into this hole in the ground. So here is the hole, okay? If you get it, I don't know what prize you're going to get, but you will get a lot of adoration. Okay, so you ready? You got to do it from right there. Okay, go. Well, okay, now come on up here. You're going to come up on stage. Now, we're going to do something really fun. You're going to try to make it from here. If you do, you get to go back to your seat. If you don't, you have to deliver the rest of the sermon, which is actually already written out for you on that iPad I, I up there, okay? So, you ready? Okay, here we go. I'm sorry, I'll give you another shot, okay. There you go, good job. Now I gave her a second chance because the truth is the gospel is our second chance. God gives us second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth chances. Even when it seems like we're running the same way or we're not changing our direction, God is saying, you know what, it takes one time to turn toward me and I will make everything new. I will make everything different. I'll give you a different vantage point. No matter how many times you've missed on the cornhole, I'm going to give you one where you make it. Okay, so regardless of how many times you feel like the hamster in the cage or you feel like you're expending that energy but you're not going anywhere, all it takes is that one time for God to say, you know what, Joe, I'm going to change things. Things are going to be different for you from this point forward. Okay, and so I pray that in your life you'll be able to recognize the ways in which God is saying, I want to do something different. I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to give you a third chance. I'm going to give you a millionth chance. And as we talk about sports and we talk about the ways in which our lives impact those around you, I want you to uh, remember really one thing and then we're going to watch a video. But, but I want to give you a, another passage of scripture, okay? This is 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God. Remember this. Okay, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the quiz. But thanks be to God, he gives us what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory. Now, the New Testament, as you probably know, was written originally in Greek. Okay? When I was reading this in the original Greek, you know what the word for victory is? The word in in Greek is Nike. Nike nike seriously as in the shoe company that's where the name comes from it's the greek word for victory so when you see the nike logo the 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 swoosh let it remind you that you have been granted victory in christ that swoosh the holy spirit is coming into your life that you have been given and assured the promise and the power of victory that is awesome and when we live out that victory, people start to take notice. Check this out.
1: We end tonight with the football play of the month. It was executed with amazing precision by the Eagles, the Olivet Eagles. Steve Hartman has the play and the post-game analysis on the road. Between classes, they schemed and conspired. For weeks, the football players here at Olivet Middle School in Olivet, Michigan secretly planned their remarkable play. Did anybody go, this is a crazy idea? No, everyone was in on it. But like the coaches didn't know anything about it. We were like going behind their back. I've just never heard of a team coming up with a plan to not score. It's
2: just like to make someone's day, make someone's week, just make them happy.
1: The play, which was two plays actually, happened at a home game earlier this month. The first part of their plan was to try to get as close to the goal line as possible without scoring, even if it meant taking a dive on the one yard line, which it did. The crowd was not happy. Quarterback Parker Smith. But us kids knew, hey, we got this. This is our time. This is Keith's time. Keith Orr is the little kid in the brown jacket. HE'S LEARNING DISABLED, STRUGGLES WITH BOUNDARIES, BUT IN THE SWEETEST POSSIBLE WAY. BECAUSE OF HIS SPECIAL NATURE, IT'S NO SURPRISE THAT KEITH EMBRACES HIS FELLOW FOOTBALL PLAYERS. WHAT IS SURPRISING IS HOW THEY HAVE EMBRACED HIM. WE THOUGHT IT WOULD BE COOL TO DO SOMETHING FOR HIM.
2: BECAUSE WE REALLY WANTED TO PROVE THAT HE WAS PART OF OUR TEAM AND HE MEANT A LOT TO US. NOTHING CAN REALLY EXPLAIN GETTING A TOUCHDOWN WHEN YOU'VE NEVER HAD ONE
1: BEFORE. Which brings us to part two of their play. If you didn't see Keith, it's because they were so protective of him. But he was in the middle of that rush. And when you crossed the goal line, what was that like?
2: Awesome. (laughs) It was like, did he just score a touchdown?
1: Get your camera out.
2: Like, Keith's
1: parents, Carrie and Jim, almost missed the moment. THEY GOT THE SIGNIFICANCE.
2: SOMEBODY'S ALWAYS GOING TO HAVE HIS BACK, FROM NOW UNTIL THE DAY HE GRADUATES.
1: SHE'S RIGHT. WHEN THE FOOTBALL TEAM DECIDES YOU'RE COOL, PRETTY MUCH EVERYONE FOLLOWS SUIT. TODAY, KEITH IS A NEW KID. ALTHOUGH BY NO MEANS WAS HE THE ONLY ONE WHO WAS PROFOUNDLY CHANGED. WHAT WAS IT LIKE FOR YOU?
2: IT WAS LIKE, LIKE, ONCE I SAW HIM GO IN, I WAS SMILING, LIKE, ABOUT, LIKE, HERE.
1: WIDE RECEIVER, (laughs) JUSTICE MILLER.
2: LIKE, NOTHING COULD WIPE THAT SMILE OFF MY FACE
1: did it affect you so much
2: because like he's never been like cool or popular and he went from being like pretty much a nobody to making everyone's day
1: justice admits the play wasn't his idea i would have not really thought about that he says it never crossed his mind to give keith any glory
2: well i, I kind of went from being somebody like mostly cared about myself and my friends to caring about everyone and trying to make everyone's day and everyone's life.
1: Which may just make that touchdown the most successful football play of all time.
0: Friends, may we run our race in such a way that leads to life eternal while also pointing to the one who makes life eternal. I hope that Christ has made a difference in your life And that because of that, Jesus is making a difference through your life. Will you pray with me? Dear loving God, we thank you for allowing us to experience and to live out the ultimate victory. Lord, may we always see it as such, as something that we don't deserve, as something we can't capture on our own. But rather, it's a gift of your grace and your mercy. Father God, pour down upon us a fresh movement of your Holy Spirit so that we can be filled with a deeper understanding of your call for each of us. As we go throughout this week, make your presence known to us and give us so many opportunities to make your presence known to those around us. We thank you for choosing us to be on your team and for the hope that comes when we feel defeated. In the name of Jesus, we pray, the one who brings us victory. Amen. Now, how are we going to respond this morning? One of the ways we respond to God is through our giving, and you can see on the slide a lot of different ways to do that. You also have information, like I said, about Venezuela, about uh, the great day of service, so many opportunities, so many ways to let your light shine and to make a difference, and I pray that you'll take advantage of those.